The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Let's go before the Lord in prayer as we go through his word today. Lord Jesus, there is nothing hidden from your sight. You know the kind of uh, week we've had. You know the kind of burdens we carry. You know the kinds of doubts we struggle with. You know how much faith we have. You know, Lord, everything that is in our hearts. And so we come to you and before your word, knowing that. We pray, Lord, that today you would encourage us, you would motivate us to endure by your word. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith as we look to the future hope that is coming. Lord Jesus, I pray for clarity, and I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be mended by you as we hear your word spoken today. Lord, please speak through me. And in your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever found yourself struggling to endure in your faith in the Lord Jesus? Maybe you are struggling to endure because you are facing persecutions, maybe pressure from loved ones, friends, coworkers who want you to leave the faith. Maybe you are online and see all the attacks against the Christian faith. Maybe you doubt if God can really deliver on his promises. Maybe you lost sight of what the promises are. Maybe you are suffering and you feel it would be easier to leave Jesus. Maybe you feel like there is no way that God can love you the way it is described in this book. Maybe you are overwhelmed with the busyness of life and Jesus doesn't make the list. Maybe you don't believe that there is a great judgment at the end of your life. Maybe you have faith, but you think it's insignificant. Our study today in the book of Hebrews reminds us that we are not the only ones who struggle with endurance in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The audience to which this book was written were Jewish Christians who were being persecuted, marginalized, rejected, and facing hardships from their own communities, all because of their new faith in Jesus. And so they felt the pressure. to leave the faith and go back to maybe a more comfortable life. Last week, the author, with love, warned them of a fearful judgment of anyone who leaves the faith. He has argued in previous chapter of all the things that God has done to open himself to you, that through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you may come in. And you may have fellowship with God and your relationship is restored and you will have salvation for your souls because of his son. Then to leave Jesus and say, eh, 
will bring an outrage from the spirit of grace. The author told them that their faith has a great reward. And when they have done the will of God, they may receive what is promised, which is the perseverance of their souls. Well, now the author transitions into chapter 11 to show us that the, what the nature of faith looks like when it is alive in believers. So what he's going to do in chapter 11 is call on Old Testament witnesses to show what the nature of faith looks like and how they were approved by God. So in, our, in Hebrews chapter 11 today, verses 1 through 7, there are three motivations to help you to endure in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, true faith gives you confident hope. Number two, true faith is pleasantly rewarded. And number three, true faith removes the fear of judgment. I'll say it again, true faith gives you confident hope. True faith is pleasantly rewarded. And true faith removes the fear of judgment. So the author begins the chapter by describing what true faith looks like within a believer. Verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So first, I would like us to see that true faith looks forward to things hoped for. Faith gives us a hope that we can look forward to. And in the immediate context here, the hope he is talking about is those who endure in their faith will receive salvation of their souls. That is the hope that, is, that he is talking about. And it's so incredible that he said this right after he warned them of the fierce judgment of God awaiting those who don't have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That this God is the one who's providing this hope. But we could have hope hope of salvation for our souls. Right now, the things hoped for are in the future, and they are not seen. But through faith, we can trust God. He will deliver on his promises. And this should motivate us to live our lives by faith. This is a, one example of this kind of faith that's more practical. Uh, <clears throat> before my wife and I found out we were going to have a baby, we lived one certain way, and then we got news that a baby was coming in nine months from now. And we changed our life in order to be prepared to receive what is promised nine months from now. We lived in the reality of this baby being here already. What did we do? We changed up our house, we changed up our budget, we changed up our diet, we changed the way we, what we researched about babies. Our whole lives change because of a promise that we didn't even see. It's going to come in nine months. So, this is the kind of faith that the author is saying. Because of what is hoped for, we live our lives sure that it's going to come. As one commentator says, faith provides the assurance about things to come that is necessary in order for one to go on living faithfully in light of these hopes. Faith is something that assures us that God will be true to his word. 
So now the author, in verse 2, tells us how the men and women from history gained approval by God to help us be confident in our hope. He doesn't just tell us that we are going to have salvation for our souls. He's going to call on witnesses. And so verse 2 says, For by it, that is the faith, the people of old received the commendation. Notice how faith looks back to the people of old, which refers to the men and women who, who are of the past, who lived and endured in their faith through various trials. And this is given to us as a confident booster. God is a witness to their faith and gives them their condemnation. God is the one who approves of them. God is the one who says these men and women did good. He approves of them. This should be motivating to us. That for us, for, it should be motivating for us to continue to endure through trials. Because if we do, if we do, we will receive commendation from God. God will give us our approval. This is great in light of the judgment and the warning that he just gave them if they leave the faith. But God will approve you. He will approve you. Here's what Peter says about this tested faith and as a way to motivate to endure. First uh, Peter 1, 6-9 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result, and here's the approval, the commendation, in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though, now, uh, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith. What is the outcome of our faith? The salvation of our souls. So yeah, we're going to be tested. Yes, we're going to go through hardships and trials, but if we endure the outcome of that faith, if we endure trusting in God, will be the salvation of our souls. Our faith becomes more purified. It becomes, more, becomes stronger. Look what James says. He adds on to this point. James, from his letter, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
trials and challenges aren't there to weaken our faith. They are there to strengthen our faith. We aren't to be doubtful that God isn't going to fulfill his promises. We are to be confident that he is. So when we are facing trials and we're facing the pressure, should I endure? Should I keep going? I mean, the other life seems more fun. Or, hey, maybe this guy would leave me alone. Or, hey, uh, I can get that promotion at work. Maybe I should put Jesus to the side. There's salvation for your souls if you endure. And if you face hardship, your faith will only get stronger. And now the author, he doesn't just look back at the people, he looks further back to the creation of the world to bring even more confidence to our faith in the hope of God's unseen promises. Look what he says, verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So by a show of hands... Who was there at the creation of the world? (laughs) By faith, we believe that it's been all fashioned together by the word of God. It is uphold by the word of his power. Notice that it's the divine reality of God's word is what shapes and defines our current reality. Do you believe it's possible that the same God who brought about the entire universe by his word, and whose word we study and read, is powerful enough to bring to pass all the promises of his word? We should be. We can be confident that God will do what he says he's going to do. And we see what he's going to do. Remember, it's the salvation for our souls. It's the salvation for our souls. And this brings us confident hope. True faith gives us confident hope in the unseen promises of God that he will bring what he says to pass. Now the author tells us how. Oh, sorry. Let's move on. (laughs) Now we will see, thank you, that faith in God is pleasantly rewarded. Verses 4 through 6. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch, when he was taken up, Sorry, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This section of scripture shows us that it that it's faith that is pleasantly rewarded by God. And the author calls two witnesses to that truth. The first witness that was approved by God because of his faith was Abel. The Bible says very little about Abel. We are told in the book of Genesis chapter 4, he's the second son of Adam and Eve. He was a brother to Cain, 
He was a keeper of sheep. He made a sacrifice to the Lord. The Lord accepted his sacrifice. Cain made a sacrifice to the Lord, but his sacrifice wasn't. His brother Cain kills him. Jesus calls him righteous. And though he died, he is still speaking today. It is curious. Why, why did God accept Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's sacrifice? They both offered a sacrifice to the Lord from their vocation, which is fine. Well, why, why with Abel and not with Cain? There was no law about animal sacrifices in Genesis very early. We are told that it was done in faith. Remember verse 4? By faith Abel offered. And it, that's what pleased God, that his sacrifice was made in faith. Cain wasn't. His sacrifice wasn't made in faith. And the text also tells us, though he died, Abel's dead for ages and ages, he still speaks today. How is he speaking and what is he saying? Well, his story of faith and, accept, and God accepting his sacrifice is recorded for us in the word of God. Though he has been dead for many, many ages, he is still a witness, an example to the rest of us of being one receiving favor from the Lord for his faith. So if we wanted an example of God being pleased with someone for their sacrifice, we can look at Abel. He is an example and a witness. Yes, he died at the hands of his own brother, which probably it resonated with the hearers who were being persecuted from their own family members. Still, his story carries on today as a lesson that God will still give favor to those who live by faith. But notice um, verse 6. It's impossible to please God without faith. Notice it doesn't say it's impossible to make sacrifices to him. How many sacrifices have we made to God not in faith? Not animal sacrifices like before, but sacrifices of our time, our money, sacrifices of giving up um, a promotion at work because it's going to cause you to leave Jesus. This we know, that the sacrifices that we make in faith, they are the ones that please God. That is why Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's wasn't. All the sacrifices that we, made to, to, that we make to God by faith, is pleasing to him. The second witness who is called is Enoch. And Enoch's interest, entrance in and out of the Bible is but a few verses. Okay, Genesis chapter 5, we are told that Enoch became a father of Methuselah and at the, age of six, at the age of 65. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after becoming a father, all the days of Enoch was 365 years. Then we read, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And then the list 
goes on and tells us about his son. What's so interesting is that the word to walk in the Hebrew is in the reflexive form, which means that it wasn't that just Enoch walked with God. It's that Enoch committed himself to walk with God. He lived his life by faith. That is what that word is trying to do in the Hebrew text. Enoch, he is a witness that the Lord, okay, so he's faithful to the Lord, and the Lord rewarded him, and, he, and the Lord give, has given him a triumph over death. Okay, so both Abel and Enoch serve as witnesses that the Lord will pleasantly reward our faith. Abel shows us that our faith is commended by God, and even though we die, we, like Enoch, will triumph over death, and we will be with the Lord forever. But both Abel and Enoch also point to one who offered the greatest sacrifice ever, the one who offered up himself in our place. And the same one is the one who triumphed over death. Who is it? Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Remember, because of his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection, we can draw near to God. And because our faith, and because of our faith, we will one day triumph over death. God, it will be pleased to reward us. So what, what are some of these rewards and benefits? So what I did was I went through the book of Hebrews and I just pulled out all of the blessings and rewards that God will give us because of the new covenant. All right, here we go. Future salvation, Jesus bringing many sons and, glory, uh, sons and daughters to glory. We are called Jesus' brothers and sisters. Jesus helps us in our weakness in time of need. Jesus makes propitiation for our sins. We share in the heavenly calling. We share in Christ. We are his house. We enter his rest. Jesus as our high priest, he's seated at the right hand of God. He lives to make intercession for us. He holds his priesthood forever. We can draw near to God. Jesus guarantees that we will inherit all the promises. Jesus places us in the new covenant where the law of God is written on our hearts and our minds. God becomes our God and we become his people. We will all know the Lord we, he will be merciful toward our iniquities. He will remember our sins no more. Our conscience is purified. Jesus makes perfect those who draw near to God. We are sanctified. We have confidence to enter the holy place. Jesus gives us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. All these promises are gladly given to those who endure in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that it's not the ones who seek the rewards that are rewarded. He rewards those who seek him by faith. Are you seeking faithfully? Are you faithfully drawing near to God to seek him? Seeking him in his word, seeking him in prayer, seeking him at church, seeking him through trials, seeking him in rest, it would be a terrible and horrible story if a person who 
live their life, and towards the end of their life, they say, they walk away from the faith. It would be horrible. It would be so terrible to live their whole life and then at the very end be like, you know, I don't know if I really believe all this stuff. Don't let that be you. Endure till the end. And let us stir up one another to continue to endure in our faith in the Lord Jesus, knowing that God will pleasantly reward us who remain faithful. Now, it may sound like I'm saying you can lose your salvation. That is not what I'm saying. If you endure, it will be known that your faith is real. If you walk away, it will be known that your faith wasn't real. So let's endure. We saw that true faith brings confident hope. We saw that true faith is pleasantly rewarded. Now we will see how faith removes the fear of judgment. Verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as, as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Remember, uh, we were warned last week not to leave the faith unless you wanted to face judgment from God who is a consuming fire. Do you remember the warning? Yeah. Our author now calls the witness of Noah to show how his faith caused him to be safe from judgment and that he became an heir of righteousness. Noah was warned about a coming flood that he could not see. But in reverent fear, that is, fear to God, and that God will bring about what he says, he started to construct an ark. Just take a moment and just imagine how persistent and faithful he must have been constructing this ship in the middle of a desert. Some days are hot, and there's no cloud in sight, and he's enduring. Some days there's clouds, but no rain. He's enduring. Some days had rain. He endured a little bit faster, probably. And after the rain passed, it's hot again. He's enduring. People made fun of him. He's enduring. People called him crazy and illogical. He's enduring. Everything and everyone calling him to stop. He's enduring. He must have seemed crazy and not commended and approved by the world. But he wasn't living to please the world. He was living in faith, and that pleases God. When you go back and read the story, notice how many times it says, and Noah did all that God commanded him. Noah lived by faith. Then the flood came. And Noah and his family, who also believed, went into the ark 
and the door was shut, and all those who were outside were left outside. Only eight people were saved from the judgment of God on the world. Think about Noah in that very moment. He's sitting inside the ship. He is dry. And he's seeing the judgment of God falling. Was he afraid? Could have been. Was he safe? Yeah. He was safe. He was safe. He wasn't going to endure the judgment of God that's falling on all those around him. He was resting in the salvation that God provided for him. But did you also notice a famous couple that wasn't included in our list so far? We had the creation of the world, then we had Abel, then we had Enoch and Noah, and we missed two people in the beginning. Do you guys remember? Adam and Eve. Yeah, they're missing. They're missing from the list of those who acted in faith to the word of God. They too, like Noah, they were warned by God. They were in a luscious, beautiful garden. They had the ability to eat from every tree that's before them. God told them, don't eat from this one tree that's in the midst of the garden. Or you'll die. Well, trees don't walk. And somehow, in some way, they found themselves right next to this tree. I would like us to read this account. In Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> but the Spirit said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Notice. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they, put fig leaves, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin cloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And here comes the fear. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What changed for Adam and Eve in that, in that moment? Their perspective by which to evaluate their choices were changed from the unseen word of God to the visible reality that was created by the word of God. They changed how they're going to evaluate their choices. They trusted themselves rather than trusting God. They trusted themselves, the creatures, rather than the creator, God. They trusted other creatures than trusting God. They trusted in their own wisdom and not in the wisdom of God. They did not act in faith to the word of God. They were warned, like we are warned, like Noah was warned. 
We live in a day and age where attacks on the word of God are constant and growing. And day by day, more people are swayed. And day by day, people are not enduring in their faith. And so, like Adam and Eve, when judgment comes, they will be very fearful. They will try to hide themselves, but they won't be able to hide. Our trust and our faith in Jesus saves us from the judgment of God, just like Noah was saved by the ark during the judgment of God. And like Noah, the flood didn't come the, right, the day right after the warning was given. Time passed. But it did come. Judgment did come. And because Noah lived by faith, he trusted God, he constructed the ark, he was saved. Just because we don't see the promises of God or judgment coming to pass, one day it will come. May we be found enduring in our faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw that true faith gives confident hope. We saw that true faith is pleasantly rewarded. And we saw how faith removes the fear of judgment. And today we will take the Lord's Supper together, which reminds us of Jesus' death as we look forward to the day he returns. In doing so, our faith is strengthened. And seeing our brothers and sisters partaking will motivate us to endure in our faith until he comes. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to be found faithful. We want to be motivated to endure, Lord. We thank you for your word, which is solid as a rock. It never changes. We could set our hope on it. Lord, help us to believe even more. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we trust, Lord, in all of its promises. And we trust, Lord, that you will do what you say you're going to do. We thank you, Lord, because your son, the Lord Jesus, made us right with you. And it's, in our, it's, in, it's, it's our faith in him, Lord, that we are commended. Thank you for our relationship. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.